0: Well, this morning, um, we do give to um, the International, and I love um, at Southern Baptist, we go together as a bunch of small churches and big churches and all together, and we support uh, missions around the world. Um, this morning, I thought it would be really neat um, to hear from a gentleman. He's not part of the IMB, um, but he is doing a mission, and his family have um, sacrificed and have um, have been obedient to God's call in their life to a space it's a place that's very special to me and my wife to Wales, and um, and Great Britain. And um, we've been there a couple of times. We we know what's going on there. Um, we know what's happening. And so, a- as a church, it is it's we are called not only to to give and to go, but everywhere. And so, I want us to be exposed to missions as much as possible. It doesn't matter if we are twenty or two thousand people. Um, we are all commanded to fulfill the Great Commission. So I'm very, very excited on this morning that we we brought him back on a Sunday morning for those that didn't get to hear a few months ago. um, Richard Williams, he brought his whole family, which kind of doubled our size um, this weekend. So it's a high attendance Sunday. But I'm really excited um, for us to hear from him about the call that's on his life and the call that's on his family's life and and where they're leading in the ministry that they're doing in Wales and how we can pray for them. Um, come alongside them and just really just um, lift them up um, as one of the things. So I'm going to ask Rich, come on down and let's share.
1: Thank you. <laughs> also,
0: you gotta get up there. Yep, I'm going to grab my stuff over here.
1: <laughs> well, good morning. good morning. Is everybody doing good? sound too uh, sure about that. Are you guys awake yet? Yeah. <laughs> All right, because I was a youth pass for 17 years, so if we need to get up and do some calisthenics, rub each other's shoulders, wake each other up, we can do that. No? No, thank no? you. No thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Still too early. Still great, great. But my name is Richard Williams. Uh, we're missionaries of the country of Wales. I um, have a few slides we can go through, then we'll get into a message. But, uh, As a youth pastor and associate pastor for 17 years, four and a a half years up in Ohio, four and a half out in um, West Virginia, then the last nine and a half out in Illinois. And about five years ago, God really started working on our hearts towards the mission field. We said, God, where where do you want us to go? And we were kind of uh, thinking it was going to be towards Africa, uh, Kenya. We have some good friends that are inviting us over on trips over there. So we kind of thought, you know, most people, what do you think of when you think of foreign missions? Africa. Africa, which... You know, the three most famous places that people think of missions, you have Africa, you have, actually I jumped over a slide, I guess, it is Africa, India, and uh, China are the three most common areas for missions. And I, I get that. I was in the exact same boat. I was like, God, you must be calling me to Africa. I had some good friends, about eight years background, saying, come do trips with us. And so we kind of thought it was a foregone conclusion. But whales kept on coming up over and over and over again, and I don't know anything about the country of whales back then. And I knew my heritage was from there, from about my dad talking all the time growing up. Four generations back, my uh, grandfather came over. And that's all I knew about the country of Wales, that and uh, what you hear in Bible college. Talking about the the great theologians, the the missionaries that came out of England, the Welsh revivals. Um, So I've heard all these things. So pastors quote um, sermons all the time from back in the 1900s and their messages. So I'm like, why would they need missionaries? And so the first thing I had to do was find out where the country was. I was like, uh, God, you, you're calling me where? I think you're calling me somewhere. And so I had to figure out where this was. And so I, I looked it up, and at this time I was still trying to figure out, is it Wales or is it, is it Africa? And so I, I looked it up, and you got England on the right side, you got Scotland all the way up north, Ireland across the Irish sea, then a little portion down there, which is Wales, which is right here. And so we'll be all the way up in the top part of Wales. And so my my first thing was like, where is this country at? And so I found it, and I was like, okay, God, is is this where you're you're calling us to? And I I keep on hearing more and more things uh, from different uh, missionaries, from different speakers we heard here in the States. Um, This is what the language looks like. It's welcome to Wales. Um, But so some of the things that we kept on finding out. I was like, so why Wales? You have the first one there. In all the United Kingdom, only 6% of the population attend church. And so I was like, that's, you know, I, I've heard of people just calling themselves Christians and uh, they don't really attend church. This is all of the United Kingdom. So you have Ireland, Scotland, England, Wales, everybody put in the same category. And this isn't like gospel preaching churches. This is all denominations put together. And so less than 6% attend any type of services. That's counting Easter, Christmas, you know, your, your big holidays. They don't attend anything. Then also you have London and uh, Cardiff, which are your bigger towns. So <laughs> they have a bit more over there. And so uh, in North Wales, it's much less, Uh, more than three churches close each week, which um, that one there's kind of, uh, we see a lot of churches closed in the United States. We see others that open up. Um, In this country, these churches have been closed for over 40 years. On my last trip over in December, uh, the pastor there took me to this place here. And uh, there's 47 churches in North Wales, and that's pretty much uh, each town has one to two churches that have been shut down and uh this here is one of those he took me to the cemetery and he's like this is the average church in north wales i'm like what do you mean He's like in the back over there you can barely see it is a church that's been closed for 40 years that the building is still there so they can have funeral services and after those funeral services are over they shut it back down and wait for the next person to pass and then they have the next service that's the only reason the church buildings are still there he's like they're selling off at a rate of three churches per week As they're falling down, somebody wants to buy it or tear it down or renovate it into a house, a coffee shop or a bar or whatever they might be renovating it into. And so he's like, this is all the way across. They're open just to have funeral services. And so he's like, that three per week is actually, they've been shut down for over 40 years. And so he met with these churches and actually lined up to where we could actually plant churches in these churches that have closed down. Um, Here's the other ones. You have village after village, no gospel witness. We traveled... in our first trip over, we traveled uh, 12 different towns and found that they all had churches that previously were there that have been shut down and sold off. and um, There is no gospel presence. There, there's nobody there sharing the gospel. They haven't been for many, many years. Less than 2% in North Wales have even heard the gospel. The first time I heard this statement, I was like, that, that's, that's not a poss- possibility. It's not a third world country. I expect that from other countries, but They sent out missionaries across the world, so how are they at less than 2% now? And and so uh, after I was there and I was working with a a church camp, I was working with like 15 to 25-year-old students, and uh, they had no concept who Jesus Christ was. They they didn't know he was really from the Bible. It's something that they say all the time in in sentence, but they didn't really know who it was. And so Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, we we were sharing the gospel. Uh, this is what Jesus Christ came to do. God sent his son, die on the cross, pay the penalty for sin and death so we can have a way to choose and accept him as our personal savior to be able to get to heaven. And they're like, we don't believe in God. Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, all kept on going down the same. I don't believe in God. We believe in science. They, they, they quote different things over here uh, from Hawkins. And so it was like, I, we're not here to argue. I'm just here to share God's word with you. And they're like, that's fine. We are, we're here to have fun. And I was like, church camp, I understand. You're here to have fun. And so they're, they're, they're having fun all day long. They have our three services, God night time, devotion time, at night time. So they're getting five times a day. They're hearing about Jesus Christ. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in God. Thursday comes along, and Thursday afternoon, instead of going out and having fun and all the other activities, they're sitting around on the side of this hill, and I'm like, w- what's going on? They're like, they don't believe in God, but that doesn't stop the Holy Spirit. They have never have no clue who the Holy Spirit is, but he's working on their hearts, and so I, I was talking to a group, and I was like, so w- what's going on? They're like, we don't believe in God, but something here is telling me I need this Jesus Christ. On Thursday night, you'd watch 97% of the students that were there for the first time accept Jesus Christ, a personal mm-hmm. Savior. And so they, they go from, I don't believe in God. Uh, 2012 is when I was at that church camp, and uh, me and my oldest son, we went back uh, this past December, and the kids that accepted Jesus Christ back in 2012 uh, saying, I don't believe in God, uh, that were working with the, the church are. Our visa into the country, the church we're working with, uh, they accepted Christ in 2012. I don't believe in God. And then you could watch them go from the same thing that told me, I need this Jesus Christ, is now telling them that God is real. They get back involved in their church and uh, get heavily involved. and Now they're they they're reaching out to their friends, their families. They're the ones in December when we are back are running the Wana program that are running the the Friday night live, which is play dodgeball for four hours. You throw a ball at each other's face and mm-hmm. present the gospel, and then invite them back to your youth program. And so the, this, the church is growing because the kids that accepted Christ back here have got a, a hold of what the, the pastor and the, the other uh, people at the church that are teaching. They, they now understand that, and God's working in their hearts and their life, and they're exploding off of that into the, their community and reaching those around them. And so what we're doing is we're heading back to the country of Wales to uh, church plant churches in areas that haven't had the gospel in over 40 years, which um, phase one of our ministries, We're raising our funds currently. I left my church in, what what year was that? 2015. 2015. Um, We moved down here to Florida and started raising our funds. The first six months was calling churches and lining up visits to uh, raise our funds. Um, Then the last year and a half have been on the road. We're a little over, right at 60% uh, fundraise right now. Um, 15 churches voting on us this December, so hopefully we'll be 70-75% by January-February. We're trying to take uh, averages about four years of fundraising to get to the mission field. We're trying to do it in two years. And so we're, we're busy visiting churches, raising funds, church support, individual support uh, to go back and share the gospel. So it's our goal to be on the uh, field over there in 2018. Um, so you have to understand what it looks like. It's an expensive country to live in. This is probably the cheapest it's been in t- 20 years is what they're saying. Uh, it's $1.32 to buy one British pound plus eight cents on the dollar. So it's about $1.40, so you lose 40 cents for every time you buy one British pound. And uh, what it looks like when you actually start to use, I took this picture in Illinois about a year ago or a little bit more. It was $1.74 to buy a gallon of gas. In the middle of that, they use diesel. So you have a pound 54 is what they use over there. I was like, yeah, it's not too bad. And, and the missionary like, you're not understanding it, it, that that's a liter. And I was like, what does the liters mean? I was like, 3.78 liters per gallon, I have to do the math. At that time, it was more than this, but currently, if you did the math for now, it's $7.61 a gallon. And that goes across the board for spending, uh, housing, food, clothing. I, it's a very expensive country to live in, so it, it, it's you have to raise all this out here to go and live on way less than what you raise. And so uh, that, that's kind of what it looks like. I'm not allowed to have a job in the country. Uh, I'm trying to go through these a little bit faster than normal so we can get into the message also. <laughs> but uh, it's a closed nation. I'm not allowed to have a job in the country, and so we have to be fully supported here in the States to be able to go and plant churches over there. That's what we're doing as we travel. Um, Phase two will be uh, learning the culture and the language and planting churches in the Conway Valley. The top three stars you see there, um, the Welsh pastor we're working with, he came in, he moved from South Wales to North Wales, and he's like, I'm going up to an area that hasn't heard the gospel in over 40 years to start planting churches. And so you, he went up there and he, he met with all the different churches in the area and said, can, can I rent out your facilities? And they're like, well, wh- what do you mean by that? And, and so he, he's like, um, we want going to start gospel preaching services and uh, use the facilities that you haven't used in over 40 years. And so they're like, yeah, w- that'd be fine, but w- let's talk about uh, w- what do you mean by rent, how much? And he, he's like, well, you know, everything else in the area costs a bit more. These places have been around for a long period of time, and uh, he's like, well, what, what if we did it for 25 pounds per use, and so during that conversation, they said absolutely. It's the first time they've had uh, income in these churches in over 40 years, so they kind of jumped on it, and uh, so that'd be 130 to $140 dollars a month versus everywhere else about a 1000 to do for storefronts or anything else, and so he located 47 churches that we can start church plants. He started in the top three He started three church plants, and then uh, he's had three more towns say, can we please have a church in our town? Mm -hmm. And so the bottom three, three, Dulgueric, Trefu, and Clan Roost are the three towns. He's like, please, as soon as you get here, you can start a church in these towns. And so we're raising our funds now. As soon as we get there, we have our visa into the country, and we know where we'll be starting our churches. And so now it's just traveling and raising our funds. Um, So that's, that's where we're at. And uh, you can follow us at uh, williamsandwhales.org. You can go to our website. We'll put up our newsletters, which remind me later, Melinda, because we need to update the new one on there. Um, our newsletter back at our display, you can sign up for our newsletter. We email those out to you and grab one of our bro- brochures and prayer cards in the back. I have uh, like two minutes here. Is there any questions? I know I went through that quick. No questions, no questions. Anything about whales? because for, for this part of the slide here, you, you have this picture here that I'm going to leave up. This is the Welsh flag. Yes, it's a dragon. A no, it's not a whale. It's a dragon, <laughs> a red dragon. <laughs> it, it's an impressive flag. And what, one of the things I like to say about this here is um, when I was about 12 years old, there was a missionary to uh, Australia, and uh, he, he came into our church. And he said, every time you think of a kangaroo, please think of Australia and please pray for the Chapmans. And I was like, what am I going to think about kangaroos? When I go to the zoo every you know, every other year with my parents, I was like, I don't really think of them that often. But I found myself after that point thinking about kangaroos all the time and praying for the Chapmans. And so I was like, well, when a guy calls the mission field and I saw this flag, I was like, that's it. Every time you think of a dragon, please think of the country of Wales and please pray for the Williamses in Wales. And uh, in our culture, dragons come up all the time. TV shows, cartoons. I, I've been to several uh, areas where the high school mascots. I just came from a church in Illinois. The high school mascot was this almost exact same dragon. And they're like, man, this is great. The little girl from the the crowd, she was in the crowd drawing a dragon at the time, and she brought this afterwards. She's like, I was drawing this when you said this, and so I'm like, this is awesome. So please pray for us every single time you think of a dragon. And they're like, well, Dara's going to be praying for you guys all the time. I was like, maybe she can be a missionary with us. And uh, but uh, in the future, don't know what God's doing. But uh, yes. We're trying to figure that out as we go um as my wife she we get to ask us a good amount and so i'm going to answer her question normal um is every single year as we've been in the states we've we tried to decide if we're going to homeschool or put them into school while we've been here in the state we're going to try to do the exact same thing once we get over there um our older ones probably will be homeschooled because they they uh, go to university at 16 and so 14 and 13 uh, as you get there so it'd be It'd be probably pretty hard to get them <laughs> straight into the testing to go to university. would um, it be easier for these children to pay a, a, a testimony by going to a public school? That, that's one of the things we're trying to figure out because uh, with the depends on where what area we're at. Because we'll most likely be living in one town and working and doing our church plants, not in the same towns. Because uh-huh. our, our visa into the country is over in uh, Columbia, of and uh, we'll be working probably about 30, 40 uh, minutes away so it won't be the same kids so um, th- as we're trying to figure out take all those into consideration once we get on ground over there make the final decisions then um, not opposed to putting our kids into school but uh, just trying to figure out what's best for them and what's best for around us so. that yes absolutely yes that which I believe you'll find on our newsletters which my wife puts out um, our prayer requests for our kids and the culture and everything around it for our kids but a uh, great question any other questions all right you got a bible turn to acts chapter eight because we get asked two main questions pretty much everywhere we go and uh the one that is why Wales, um which went down through the statistics side of why Wales, even though it was a country that once had the gospel and and it flourished there um 114 years later it's now a a country that has no gospel representation uh in many different parts and uh, then the other question he says well why does it have to be you? We, we've gotten that from family members. We've gotten from pe- different people who go to church. They're like, well, why do you have to be the one that goes? Can't you be a pastor here in the United States? I was like, yes, I, I have been for, for many, many years. And I've uh, seen many teenagers accept Christ, young adults accept Christ, and uh, you know, go into ministry and different things in their lives. But as a Christian, what are we called to do? Uh, that's kind of what this message is based on. When people ask me this question, why do you have to go? I, I usually take them to Acts chapter 8. This is a unique time period. It's happening it's after Jesus Christ, he, he ascended, uh, and the disciples and apostles there are, are left to start sharing the gospel and going from town to town to share the gospel. But at the exact same time, the Pharisees are, are trying to stop people from sharing the gospel, stop telling people about Jesus Christ. And so at this, this time, it is, it's yeah, Paul, or that time named Saul, and he's going from town to town. If he hears about you telling people about Jesus Christ, what does he do? Takes you to prison. Uh, this is right after Stephen just got stoned. And, uh, and so you kind of have, if this is happening in and around you, they're punishing, taking people to the prison, beating people. You generally aren't going to stay in that spot and be persecuted. And so if they're being scattered about. So we pick up in verse 4 of chapter uh, 8 here. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. And so he's like, they started scattering. They didn't stop preaching the word, though. They left their towns and started going to other towns. But as they went to the other towns, they started telling more and more people about Jesus Christ. So it kind of backfired on the Pharisees a little bit. Instead of scaring them to be quiet, it's, oh, yeah, I'm afraid. I'm going to leave, but I'm going to keep on telling everybody what I saw, what what I've seen from Jesus Christ. They're there in person. The 5,000 afterwards, the psalm, the other people have seen them. They're there saying, we saw this. This isn't just hearsay. We saw this. We know this so they're sharing it out to everybody. And then uh, verse 5, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. And so you have Philip now. He he leaves his area and goes down to Samaria, which kind of has a little bit of a background here because Jesus, the woman at the well, and uh, so the, the town kind of has a little bit of background knowledge of who Jesus Christ was and wh- wh- what way he showed them. Now, Philip goes to this town and starts telling him about what happened. And people gave heed with one accord. To me, I, I look at this part and I'm, I start to get a little bit excited. I love hearing about people that accept Jesus Christ. They get to know Jesus Christ. It's like the beginning portion of the relationship of, you know, you watch different people, whether it be young adults and, you know, college or in high school and you can see when they they, they, f- they first find somebody they start liking you you can see that real big excitement in their life no nobody yes okay all right <laughs> all right uh, so, so you see and they're like oh you see the spark the excitement and, and so uh, this here i've always seen the exact same thing when people come to know jesus christ as a person say you see that first excitement it's like yes the salvation is new and the, the, there's a relationship with jesus christ is new and then they're excited about it and so to me i'm looking at this thing man this entire town has has come in one accord, it's the best time to start a church. Philip's there. All these people have heard the, the gospel. Hey if if you go down further you pick up in uh verse fourteen. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem had heard that Samaria had received the, the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. They're like sending up backups now. It's not just you know the city of Claremont you just had three thousand people accept Christ and then now you have friends that are saying, oh See what's going on over there? We're sending backup. They send more people over there. And, and so you as a pastor here, if, if this place, you know, you buy out all the other places beside you because you're you just packed out now. And, and so this is kind of what I'm seeing here is everybody, one accord, starts following Jesus Christ. And they send backup, so now you got more help. And then you come down to, let's go to verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south, the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. So, a really exciting time. People accepted Christ. People, the place is getting packed out. They send apostles to help. They pray over them. They receive the Holy Spirit. And then the angel says, Hey, time to go. Not just go, but go to the desert. I, I've said this in talking to different people, but I don't like deserts. I've never been to a desert, actually. I've been to Texas. <laughs> I can't imagine the full impact of being in a desert, but the, the closest I've been to is Texas, and we went down there, it was hot, was sandy, rocky, sandy, and I was like, everything's dead. I wasn't there at like a rainy time, but I was like, in my mind when I think of desert, I think of Texas for some reason. It's just not a pleasant place in my mind. I had a good time there visiting churches, but the the the, the vegetation, the lack thereof, they didn't have the cool cactuses that I picture in my mind from uh, movies. You know, the ones that go straight up and have the two pieces come out over there like this, like the other types. I'm like, TV, it, it just messed with me. It's not what I expected. And, and so I'm looking at this. I'm like, he told told Philip to go to the desert. I am not thinking in my mind. This is a place that I want to go. Philip doesn't question. But you have all these people over here accepting christ to me i'm thinking again time to start a church time to see people start growing and not just growing i love discipleship i love seeing people accept christ but to me it's even more exciting to watch people be discipled because you have the excitement the newness of their salvation and when that newness of the salvation is starting to grow in their relationship with god and you see them start to, to fully understand the, the, the bible and, and different aspects you see them grow in that they take it for themselves like man this is what life is about It's not what everybody else is talking about, but it's about what my Lord and my Savior is calling me to do. You watch him grow and to be discipled. I'm like, this is an exciting time. But then the angel says, go. I'm like, go? Go where? Go down to the desert. Verse 27, And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Cain's queen of Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, Read Isaiah, the prophet. So you, you have this Ethiopian eunuch in a chariot out in the desert. God says Philip need to leave this group of people that accepted Christ and go to the desert. He he doesn't question. Takes off and goes. He sees a guy out in the desert reading from Isaiah. Uh, I I like to point out that he's reading from Isaiah because it's not just some guy sitting in the desert. That God says just you know, well he's in the desert alone. He needs somebody to be with. So go keep him company. He, he's reading. He, he wants no more. He's coming back from Jerusalem. He went there to, to, to worship, which it talks about in the next verse. And, and so he, he went there to worship, and, and now he's, he's on his way back, and uh, he, he's reading from the book of Isaiah. He wants to know about God. This is a person who's been seeking, saying, I, there's something more. He, he's reading from the Bible, that portion of the Bible, and, and God's like, he's out in the desert. He needs somebody not to be a companion. But to, to bring him a true companion, my my son, my Jesus, you know Jesus Christ to be his personal savior. So you have uh, verse twenty-eight, who was returning and sitting in the chariot read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to his chariot. So first you tell me to go to the desert. Now go join myself to a chariot. I, I heard you guys talk about movies before the service. I love movies. My mind again that gets consumed by when I think of chariots. You you have gladiator movies you have 300 i think of chariots i don't think of something i want to run up and join myself to this guy he's wealthy he's worked with ethiopians and he he took care of the queen's treasury so i'm figuring he has uh, the the big uh, staves with the spear on the end the bow and arrow sword probably the things on the side of the chariot because my mind's thinking chariot the things that no you don't want to get too close because they take off your legs and so i I, i'm thinking this go join myself to this chariot i'm like it's not something i want to do it doesn't, again, it doesn't say he questioned. He runs up, joins himself to the chariot, and he hears him reading from the book of Isaiah. And uh, verse 3 says, he ran there and said, Understandest what thou readest? He said, How can I accept man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read, this he was uh, led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shears, so opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation, for his life is taken from the earth? And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. So what is our job as a Christian? <coughs> Preach, the Preach the gospel. What else is there? To, the, to me, there's like two main commandments preach the gospel, and to go. To go wherever he calls us to go. And so everywhere we go, we, we try to we try to challenge er- everybody uh, on the side of missions. Yes, we need to raise support to be able to go and it was exactly where God's called us, to the country of Wales, to plant churches, to tell people about Jesus Christ. And, and so the, the, that, that's one side of why we travel. We need to raise our funds to be able to go and do what God's calling us to do. But the other side of this is, what is God calling you to do here in Claremont? four corners same, same exact thing same exact calling whether it be a school whether it be at work uh, one of the examples I like to use here is when I was a pastor I lived in a small town it was a town of a little over 2,000 people and you had to be on your game at all times you stepped out of your house it's a small town everybody knew you and so if you went down to the grocery store you're gonna be there for like 40 minutes because you're gonna run into like 10 people from your church and so you, you leave the house, even if you're in a hurry, you, you know you can't be in a hurry because you're going to walk into the, the, the store and you're going to see 10 people from the church and they're going to talk to you. How's your day going? It might be somebody you haven't seen at church in two or three months. And you're like, hey, where have you been? And so you're, you're constantly, you have your eyes open. And you're, you're like, okay, God, I need you to, I don't feel like it today, but I need you to make me on my game so when I get there, I'm representing you and not how I feel. And so that, that's how I had to go everywhere I was at in this town. As we've been traveling though, when we go from town to town, we s- go to Walmarts, so we go to Publix, we go to all these different places, I no longer have that worry in the back of my mind of I need to make sure I'm on my game. And so they th- really, really started hindering me. I'm like, I, I started thinking about it, I was like, I, I, I no longer have that venue of all these people here I, I'm gonna reach because they know me, but now I, I go from place to place. I have the ability to run in, spend two minutes in a Walmart if you get a line, no line at a grocery store. But uh, you, you get your stuff. You have the ability to run up to there, pay you for your stuff, go straight back out to the RV and get back on the road because I don't know anybody. I'm not offending anybody if I don't talk to them. But a- as I travel, I realize a lot of the times I have to make sure that I still have that same focus because here we, we have a guy out in the Ethiopian, he's a eunuch, but he's out in this desert wanting to know more. He's hurting. He's out in the middle of the desert. So I'm thinking... Who's in the desert that we need to reach? Whether it be Four Corners, Claremont, the country of Wales. Who's God calling you to reach? Because I need to be careful myself saying, I can run into Walmart, get my stuff and run back out. But I need to be careful saying, God, is there somebody here that's in the desert now that you need me to reach? That only I can reach at this time, this day and th- that you want me to be having my, my eyes open saying, who is it? Because I Publix, how many people do we see winn dixies like them both great sweet tea chicken strips love them <laughs> love them mm-hmm. but uh I-, I can run and see in that line yesterday we were talking to a couple of people and i, I saw him like two times that day and i was like well may- maybe i should have start this conversation and uh, so it's a little bit now hopefully i'll see him again this next week and-, and say hey would you come over to this church we're going to be at and so uh it- it's different opportunity saying god who do you want me to reach out to? They have to be ever-present saying, God, who's this person in the desert? So for you today, who's that person in the desert that God's calling you to reach? To invite to here at this church. To invite to the children's programs. Now, you have a youth group on Wednesdays. Invite your friends to the youth group. And all these different aspects, you're saying, God, my calling is to serve you, to go where you want me to go, and, and to to share the gospel. As a Christian, if I'm not doing that, I might be saved, but am I really a Christian? If you did the long version of this message, it's called How Valuable is a Soul? The value of a soul is that, yes, we know Jesus Christ paid the penalty for sin and death, and he died on the cross for us, so we can have a way to be with him. But he also loves and cares for that one person sitting out there in the middle of nowhere. He says, Philip, I need you to go. Today, he's saying, teaching every one of us here, I need you to go. Who is that person? Pastor.
0: Thank you. There we are. Thank you. Um, What what, what a great word. And and I hope you were challenged and encouraged. You know, our, our growth plan for this church is simple. We go and share the gospel. That that that, that is our plan. It, it's not big facilities. It's not big programs. It's not that stuff. It's that we go and share the gospel. And as much as um, there's such need across the ocean, there's just as much need right around the corner here. And so I hope you were encouraged this morning. I hope you were challenged this morning. Um, and that that's a great question to respond to. Who, who is that person out in the desert um, that God is calling us, calling each of us to go with us in, in our neighborhood, in our jobs, in our families, um, and, and go and share with? And so we want to give you a chance um, to respond to this. Um, we're going to close our time and, like, worship have a few announcements at the end and some opportunities for us to go and, and, and share the gospel in the coming weeks and, and everything. But um, let's ask that question. Who, who are you going to? Who is God placed in your path? And so this morning, uh, we just want to give you a chance to kind of let God kind of speak to your heart and, and and to respond to that. And as always, um, y- you know, we have, our, we have our prayer area back there. There's communion always available in, back in our low prayer area. You can put your prayer request back there. Um, our tithes and offering, we think, is an act of worship, and so you can worship through giving that way. Um, but don't leave here this morning without answering that question. Uh, who have you called us to go to? Um, Who have you placed in my path? Um, Because all we have to do, we, we say it here all the time, all we have to do is cast the seed. We trust God for the outcome, all that. All we have to do is be obedient, and God will do everything else that we need to. So let's pray.